Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and this week I got to talk to seasoned Broadway performer and dancer, the one and only Afra Hines, all about what it means to understudy, swing, cover, and stand by a show. Afra has such a lengthy, gorgeous, long, incredible Broadway career specifically, but just overall artistic journey in which she has understudied, swung, covered, really pretty much every single one of these roles in most of her contracts. So to have her on this episode to break down all of these labels, the different types of responsibilities for each, also sharing tools for learning multiple tracks, being proactive and staying organized. Afra also shares her philosophy on crafting your resume and website to reflect where you would like to go artistically and just generally how you can advocate for yourself and your career. So if you have been curious about what it means to understudy, swing, cover, stand by, a role or many roles in a show. And if you want to hear this from somebody who is so humble and incredibly gracious with their knowledge and experience, this episode with Afra Hines is for you. Enjoy. Hi, Afra. How are you? Hi, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> Same here. Also, I, I should have said this beforehand, your curls are looking gorge and I don't know what your Aww. curly hair routine is, but I want it Why, for myself. You. So good. Um, I've been using, have you heard of Lust Brand? Yes. Yeah. So I've been I using have... their like three in one. It's like a cream. Okay. And then I throw some Wee Dad. No, some Diva, Diva Curl Gel on top. Yeah. Oh, there. Incredible. <laughs> I need to, I'm, I'm really lazy with mine and I need to get better at it. So. Thanks. Thank you. Um, well, hello. Welcome to this space. For anybody who doesn't know who you are, <laughs> just talk about curly hair all day. Um, tell the listener who you are today. Uh, my name is Afra Hines. I am currently in the Bronx, New York. Um, I'm a Broadway performer, mom, dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Extraordinaire. Um, I'm so grateful you are here. Um, your career has been like expansive and long and consistent, which is just such a pleasure to see and watch. I feel like, I mean, at this point, I think I saw you in San Francisco in Hamilton, the original tour, and then you have booked every other Broadway show post that and pre that. And so I guess, can you fill us in about where it all began and how it all began and all of that? Sure. Um, okay. Well, I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and uh, my mom and I moved to New York when I was 14 or 15 so that I could go to performing arts high school here in the city because I thought I wanted to be a professional dancer. So I went mm -hmm. to uh, professional performing arts high school as a dance major in their Ailey program. Um, and then I went to see a Broadway show. Actually, I saw, I think my first, the first show I saw was Rent and I wasn't very into it. And then I saw um, Fosse and I thought that was pretty cool because I was like a dancer dancer. Um, but I didn't really fall in love with music theater until I saw Wicked, mm -hmm. which is a fun story for me because that then became my Broadway debut a few years later. But uh, but yeah, so I went to high school for dance and then started, um, I was gonna go to Fordham and 
do their BFA program as a dance major. And I decided to take a break and just start auditioning. And, and I've been working pretty consistently since then through a variety of different things. So like I was doing some commercial dance for a while, like I danced for the Knicks, City Dancers and the Nets and some music videos and things like that. Um, then my first sort of like long gig was the Radio City Rockettes. And then from there, I sort of jumped into Broadway shows. And that's kind of where I've been uh, spending most of my time for the past decade and a half. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> can, I, can I like humble brag for you and ask you to share your, um, I mean, y'all can obviously read Aubrey's um, bio that's in the, in the show notes, but can you share some of the shows that you've been a part of? Yes, let's see. So Wicked was my debut. I then did In the Heights, Ghost, Soul Doctor, Motown, Shuffle Along, uh, The Donna Summer Musical, Hades Town. I'm missing one. I don't know. Well, you're the one you're currently into. Girl now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's really incredible. Um, and the reason I've really wanted to bring you here to this conversation is because for so many of these shows, you have swung slash understudied, and yes. it is a world that many people find themselves in with perhaps no actual quote unquote training of what that actually means. And yes. also a world that I think many people are curious to hear and understand and unpack a bit more about. So if you're game, I'd love to just like kind of dive on into that. Um, yeah. And just breaking down more specifically what it means to stand by, what it means to swing, what it means to cover, what it means to understudy, and how in which all of those words are used, if it changes, if it matters, contracts. I mean, we can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, first of all, I will say that is my humble opinion that everybody should swing at least once in their career. I think it's like, it sort of changes the whole way you look at theater and uh, responsibilities and teamwork and all of that. Um, Just because I, you feel like it gives you a broader sense of the whole piece or because it forces you to put on many creative hats or to watch what is why everything, everything. So, so actually my very first show, my first Broadway contract was as a universal swing mm -hmm. for Wicked. So what that means is Wicked was had already been open for three years, maybe. So they had a few different companies already um, around the country. And so I was hired as a swing who would learn the female ensemble and be ready to go to any of those companies. Um, and I was, I think I was 19. I had no idea what any of those words meant. I didn't know what's, what swinging was really. And I didn't really, like I knew they could send me around, but um, I didn't really understand yeah. <laughs> what I was getting myself into. Um, so I got, I got into Wicked. I didn't even know what a put-in rehearsal was, which is hilarious to me now because, so when you join a show that's already up and running, you essentially are rehearsing by yourself. Like you rehearse with the dance captain who tells you you're blocking and teaches you the choreography, but you're not in the room with other actors. So that was the first like sort of shocking thing to me. Um, and you hardly know these people like by name yet. And they're sort of referring to these people. Well, like John will be over here and we'll pass upstage of Karen. And you're like, who, who? 
So then, then fast forward, you know, a few weeks later, you have your put in rehearsal and you're the only person in full costume. And sometimes at this point at Wicked, they would be in like, they would have themes. So they would be in like pajamas or like dressed in the style of like eighties workout attire or something. So now you're like, who are you? And you're in a costume. <laughs> and I'm the only one fully in a costume. And I remember um, they, everybody around me was sort of marking. And mm -hmm. so no one had said like, this is your one shot at doing this show full out and your changes and everything. So I started marking too, cause I had mm -hmm. no idea. Like I just, no one told me. Um, but so that's why I think, I think it's funny. You're right. People don't, um, there's no sort of like intro into swinging. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important um, because you get really good at uh, being very conscious of your um, spacing and knowing how to communicate with other actors, which is huge yeah. because unfortunately some actors don't, they like things done the same exact way, especially with partnering dance wise, you can run into people who really get very flustered with any sort of change. And so learning to communicate what you need, what they need, how to not disrupt their show, but also yeah. bring yourself to it is, I think it's just, I think it's something that everyone should experience at least once. And then you know if you like it or not, and you don't have to do it again if you don't want yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many directions I want to go here. <laughs> okay. I'm going to just for term's sake, swinging yes. Yes. versus covering versus understudying versus um, standbying. Let's okay. just break those down. Okay. So swinging is you are ready to go on for any of the ensemble characters usually. It's usually just the ensemble and you are not performing every night on stage. So you're there every night in your dressing room, ready for if someone gets sick or hurt or has a vacation or a personal day or whatever. So you are, you know, all the tracks. Great. And more often than not, these are people who are off stage waiting versus being yeah. say an ensemble that then bumps around. Um, so that would be a swing. And then, this may not be, um, I don't know if this is like the official, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not the the dictionary on theater terms, but Same. but uh, covering I think of is like someone who is an onstage member of possibly the ensemble who then covers maybe a featured part. So mm -hmm. you would be on stage every night, but if someone, for example, in our show at Funny Girl, we have an ensemble member who covers a featured tenor part. Mm -hmm. So when that tenor is out, he will still do his own track, but then he'll do this also, this feature that he covers. Mm. And then I think you said standby. That's totally different. That is someone who usually covers one part, which is an, uh, it's a principal track. So continuing the example of Funny Girl, that would be Fanny Bryce has a standby who is usually in the building but in some shows they let them be outside of the building mm -hmm. <laughs> but is ready to jump into that track only and oftentimes nowadays we'll also have a scheduled show a week so at funny girl our understudy julie benko who's so 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 good oh my goodness incredible she goes on every thursday to give leah michelle a break Mm -hmm. And also is ready in case Leah gets hurt or sick or injured. Got it. She doesn't cover any other ensemble, any, she doesn't know many parts. She just covers that one 
part and she's standing by ready to jump in should we I think it is also because there's some shows like Wicked like Funny Girl where the lead character is pretty much on stage the entire time so if they were to have some sort of emergency there's no time for them for the replacement to get ready so they're sort of like what I mean is like if someone else was on stage and had to get off stage to change into that part, it's just impossible. Yeah. So the idea of a standby is that they're literally at the ready in a moment's notice. Yeah. And what about the phrase understudy, which I think is the one that people most know as a generalized overview? Yes. So my understanding of the word understudy is usually a ensemble member. Yeah, I think sometimes it can be Right. Is it like the thing that it's just interchangeable? Like it's, I think that's what's complicated. I feel like the word understudy is like thrown around maybe to encompass many of the cover standby swing terms that we've already used, but more in a generalized way. Well, I think of understudy as an ensemble member who covers a, uh, a principal track. So for example, if you're a swing, you cover lots of tracks. If you're an understudy, you might not cover lots of tracks. You might just cover that one principal track. So for example, when I was at Hadestown, I was in the workers chorus, part of the ensemble, and I understudied Persephone. I didn't cover any other parts. Yeah. But our some of our swings covered all of the workers chorus and the fates, which were principals, and maybe Persephone, maybe Eurydice. So like swing to me is like a broader it means you cover many many things understudy to me means you are for one or two mm-hmm. usually principal like you don't you wouldn't say i understudy the chorus right right i think like understudy the word like if i'm thinking of it as like an older term is like you are almost like an apprentice like you're studying under this character and you're mm-hmm. learning so that's kind of the way i think of it yeah well, thank you for going on that like <laughs> that, like weird definition. But I feel like, again, you know, especially when people are dealing with contracts, maybe for the first time and, you know, they receive a contract, which is also like, and understudy as cast or understudy as whatever, yes. you know, like, and there's the phrasing around it. I think it becomes very helpful to kind of understand the scope of how it all really works that you can yes. better advocate for yourself in these situations. Well, that's a good point because a standby is a principal contract mm-hmm. and an understudy is a chorus contract, as is a swing. Praise. So that's another distinction there. Yeah. Ooh, okay, great. So now with that said, I'd love to hear if you, from doing it so many times, because please correct me if I'm wrong, for most of the shows that you have done, you have been in a version of one of these things every time? Maybe not every time, but many. And it wasn't on purpose in the beginning. So Um, it just so happened that Wicked needed a universal swing. So that was my way into this big machine that was already running. Mm -hmm. Um, And then within the Heights, they hired me originally as a onstage swing, but then they quickly realized that it didn't make sense because for me to, I was on stage. So for me to cover another ensemble part, it just didn't logistically, why would they do that? So they, so I didn't end up swinging that show um, until later when I left. Anyway, that's another story. Um, But it wasn't until recently. So I think the last three shows I've done, I've understudied. And that has been a choice that has been me advocating for myself. 
But before that, it was sort of like, you know, also once people see on your resume swing or dance captain, they sort of gravitate to that, right. which is true about anything on your resume, honestly. So you should put on your resume what you want for your future. But um, but yeah, so it was not until recently that I've been sort of intentional about understudying. May I ask why that intentional shift for you has been made? Well, partly what I was just saying is like people see your resume, which is your past, mm-hmm. and they uh, think that is also your future, mm-hmm. right? So if you want to show people something new, you have to advocate for yourself. And as someone who has a long career of ensemble work, I'm trying to like nudge people's attention to the yeah. fact that no, I can also play principal parts. And so yeah. for me, that has meant um, making sure that any new work I take also has a principal understudy and not just for other people to sort of get used to that idea, but also for just the practice of it. Like, that's what I love to be doing. That's what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a place in my life and career where I can be a little specific, you know, yeah. and um, I don't have to say yes to everything. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 So good. Okay. If you are cool to share some perhaps tools and tricks, we love a tool and trick in this space. For some of the things that you've learned to be most helpful when one is trying to, say, cover, swing, many roles specifically. I know people keep lots of different highlighters. People have different binders. Like what has been your – I would imagine it's morphed over time also. (laughs) Yes. And so in terms of swinging, I haven't been a swing in a long time. So probably my ways are a little outdated. Like I was a – paper and pen gal with a binder with like different files for every different ensemble member and like um, a graph of the stage set. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of swings now using, there's like an app. I'm sorry, I don't know the app, but there's like an app that essentially does the same thing and you can sort of move little dots around on the um, layout of the stage. but that's sort of like logistic-y stuff. I think the main idea is that you, A, just have a sort of general knowledge of the show and the flow of the show and like the scenes in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and also have like a good communication with um, the dance captain and with the stage manager to know, especially at the beginning of rehearsals, like who should I be looking at? Cause you're not gonna be able to learn eight tracks at once. That's just impossible. Yeah. If you can get with them and decide, like, who do you think I should be looking at first? And then, you know, go through, you know, you can maybe focus on two at once, but I wouldn't do more than that. And then sort of work your way through the through the cast and yeah. lots of notes and um, also flashcards. Get yourself some flashcards and write out the bullet points of the show, any numbers or backstage traffic you need and I I take that into the wing with me even when I'm like pretty feel pretty confident in the track mm-hmm. it's just sort of like a comfort to have mm-hmm. it there at the ready should I need it like a little cheat sheet basically a little cheat sheet yeah yeah what about now that you are understudying is there a different process that you like to use um for those tracks for those it's kind of um it's almost easier, I think, because you just have like one or two to be focusing on. So you can kind of, and they're not usually in the same scenes with you. So you can sort of be watching 
throughout the whole process and sort of trying to learn with them. Um, it also depends on the production and the team. If they, you know, some teams are happy to have you in the rehearsal space with the person you're understanding right from the beginning. And other teams would rather have their own, them work it out and then you come in later. So that's another thing you just have to like figure out and ask around. Um, but it's different in that it's, um, maybe it's not that different. I, honestly, I haven't swung in a long time, but <laughs> I, it's like the, the faster I can get the information. So at the, at the beginning when the show is just opening, that's like an intense period for me because I'm trying to get off book. That's like number one. It, the idea is like the, the, the easier you can make it for yourself in the situation of an emergency, because that's usually how you go on. Yeah, <laughs> It's an emergency. Like um, for both summer and, well, actually maybe not Town, but at Donna Summer, I think I went on in previews. So I hadn't had any rehearsal. So what I had been doing was trying to get off book so that at least that part wasn't one of the stressors in that situation because yeah. it was very stressful. Yeah. Especially in a musical theater world. It's like, like we're forgetting like, and you is like dancer, like crazy dancer. And I imagine you're going to be put into these wild tracks too. Like, we're not just talking like, you know, like, and we step touch, step touch, like, yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. like Ronda Jamming right in one track. And then you're like, <laughs> you know, jetting on the left and you're like, I don't, I mean, I can't even follow that because it's so not what I do, but <laughs> you know, to do that. And then all your different harmony tracks, I'd imagine that's a whole thing. You're learning an entire score. And then obviously on top of that, you're learning any sort of lines that you need to have too. Um, it's just the mental fortitude it takes to be able to A, stay organized, B, stay clear, C, stay consistent, D, stay respectful. Like it really is the epitome of a balance while yeah. you're trying to stay present. I will say it's a lot of um, homework for your, like it's no one's going to be like holding your hand and saying, oh, here's all this information you need. You have to be proactive about getting what you need. And I think for me, the other thing I did at summer proactively was ask for tracks because I wasn't, I knew that I was not going to get rehearsal for a while. So I thought if I can just get the music director to send me the tracks, I can start working already. Right. That when we do get there, which again was like a lifesaver in the end. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of um, taking ownership of your role yeah. as the understudy or swing and yeah. um, not waiting for other people to guide you through it. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting notion though, because, you know, again, like going back to the balance of like, because in many ways you're there to support when things are wild. It's like, I've imagined many artists and I know for myself that the time that I swung a show, um, I didn't want to, you know, burden anybody more than they needed to be burdened because they're already dealing with all the principles and getting the whole thing actually set for the first time because you're mounting a new production, whatever. And you want to, you know, stay peripherally ready, but also not step on anybody's toes and also allow the people who are actually doing the part every night to like find their own rhythm and then you can watch them. But so I guess from my own experience, that balance of self-advocating as well as like respecting, and there's no real answer, but for yourself, what is that balance? And how do you know when it's like, you're asking for too much and or this is like what you need for your process and it just is what it is and you're doing so in a way that is kind and respectful and it just must happen that way. Yeah, I mean, that is tricky. I think it's just um, <laughs> trusting that 
the people around you will have the boundaries that they need. Great. So like you ask for what you need and if they say no, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know that's where the boundary is. But like right. not asking or like feeling like you're bothering someone by trying to do your job is not is not gonna help you or them. Right. And at the end of the day, they want you, they meaning like the production, stage manager, director, everybody, they want you to be as ready as possible. They just can't focus on you in this moment, you know? So you're, even if you feel like you're being annoying, you are helping everybody out by, by um, getting what you need. So would you say, and again, it depends on the show and I understand that, but the things that potentially might come up that you could be preemptive about would be list of? Um, Make sure that you have a current script. So a lot of times in the beginning of a show and previews, especially things are changing daily. Um, Lines are changing daily. And um, most shows that I've been on, they've been really good about getting pages out to everybody, but occasionally somebody will forget that you are supposed to have this information and you'll miss a change. So just being like really up to date about day to day stuff, trying not to fall far behind. Um, that's big. Um, this is, I don't know even what the like official rules are, (laughs) but what happens a lot of time now is people will record things on their phone. And there's, I think, honestly, I think, I don't know what the, what the answer is to all of this because it's a fine line, right? Like you want the space to be safe. So you don't want people feeling like, oh, I'm being recorded, but you also need to be able to get uh, everything that's happening and there's no way you're going to be able to ingest all of it. Um, So this is another thing I would say, like you need to be in communication with the stage manager, the company manager about what they are comfortable with, because I know equity has like strict rules about like no video. Yeah in certain situations, but it's happening. It happens every, every rehearsal that I've been into in the last, you know, five, six years, people are recording for their homework. I would imagine it's kind of like a don't see, don't tell, like if it's, you know, obviously it's proprietary information also. So as long as there's the trust that you are using this for your own eyes in your own home or a studio space for you to do your job, as opposed to- you know, sending that anywhere else. I think there's like this understanding that like we are trusting that this is what you're doing for this reason. And therefore it's coming from a honest, respectful place. But yeah. And, and sometimes when the production has their stuff together, they will have someone record at the end of the day, like this section, and then they'll put it on a, um, like a site with a password that you can then watch at home, but you're still not, it's not something that you can download. So I think that's probably the direction that we're all headed in is more of that where like there it's available to you, but you can't, you know, send it to else. Yeah. I'm curious if you feel comfortable sharing some of your favorite experiences in any of the roles that you've done, but really like with the mindset of like this being a conversation around, you know, like doing many a part in many a show, um, some of those personal experiences. Sure. So the world of understudying specifically still feels relatively new to me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm now understanding my third principal part. 
Yes, you they're are. Also, they're all so different from each other that it still feels like sort of new mm-hmm. territory to me. <laughs> what I'm hoping for myself is that the, so with both Summer and Hades Town, I feel like the first few times I went on, although I was prepared, I was emotionally holding back a little bit because I was scared, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that's where I'm wanting to grow myself is like being able to like hit it out of the gate, like right away. And I know like a first time is a first time and people aren't going to be perfect in their first run, usually of anything, but um, the feeling of like holding back, I, I would like to get rid of yeah. that. You know, that. That's not what you asked, but no, no, no. But I'm curious about that. Do you feel like, is it more stemming from fear? Is it stemming from the unknown? Is it stemming from, like not wanting to take up space in your own way and wanting to like do the thing that has been done. Where is that balance coming for you? I mean, it's kind of all of that. It's just like, especially in a situation where it was sort of last minute or you weren't prepared in the way you hoped you would be, or, you know, there's a million of things that won't be perfect. Yeah. Um, but being able to like, let all of that go and stand in your own, like know for yourself what you feel is, um, true maybe, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just taking up space. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the lesson that we're all, (laughs) or many of us are still and probably to the rest of our lives navigating of how do we keep claiming that space? Yeah. What do you do for yourself? Is there like an emotional prep? Is there a physical prep? If you have the time, obviously sometimes it's just like you're on and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, for me, it's like, I feel safer when I have done as much prep as I can, which can easily for me tip into too far. Mm. Like there were times at summer where I would go rent a studio before the matinee, before a two show day and run the entire show, which is crazy because then I'm doing three shows that day. And vocally, like by the end of the day, I'm done, you know? And so that's too much, but that was what made me feel um, (laughs) okay to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt like if I run this whole thing, then I'll know that I can do it and then I'll do it. But it's like the trust of, no, you, you can do it. You don't have to run the whole show, like hit some hot spots if you want to. But so yeah, trying to figure out that balance as well. Yeah. Have you felt, obviously every show is different, but have you felt like maybe with time you're owning it a little bit more or trusting yourself a bit more? Or is it now that every single show is different? Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like the whole sort of like imposter syndrome thing Mm -hmm. of like the only way to get better at something or to expand yourself or to grow beyond your comfort zone is to feel like an imposter. Um, So almost like chasing that a little bit, like, what do you mean? Like looking for the places where you feel like an imposter, because that's how you know you're moving forward. Mm. Also knowing that you're going to feel not great. Yeah. You're going to feel like an imposter because you are, because you've never done it before. Yeah. That's such a, different shift of looking at that that I've never quite heard about like chasing that feeling because so often we're trying to not feel that way even though it happens to us or see or like the shift in mindset of like oh no no this means that you're in a space because you belong there and that's why it feels uncomfortable Mm -hmm. I love that a lot that just like had a little light bulb moment for me um you know what part is it is like 
things live in our head for a long time. Like we, our mistakes live in our head for a long time, but not in anyone else's mind. Like no one's thinking about a mistake you made three months ago in this one show. Like no one, you know, we sort of, we make things bigger in our head than they are. Yeah. How do you come down from say the high of going on in a wild situation? Like how do you unwind? What do you do? Just go home and zonk out in bed, like yeah. <laughs> sleep harder than you've ever slept. Because if you do know, I always have these like crazy stress dreams about like not being able to get to the theater or like wearing the wrong costume or like no not knowing the choreography. I have that dream all the time where people are like, Yeah, you and I'm like, I don't know it at all. Like no one that kind of panic yeah. dream. I usually sleep super well. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, at this point, if y'all haven't seen Alfred's dance, just like do a quick YouTube. Um, you're such a oh God, your dancing is just, oh my God, so gorgeous. Um, how do you or what do you do to keep that muscle? I don't know if it's like new or fresh, but also like you're doing it on a daily basis. So it's like, are you in class? Do you even do yeah. that? Obviously, you teach. Like, what are you doing? I love class and I try to I actually it's a problem for me that I take too many classes maybe um currently I'm in two acting classes weekly um and I'm in voice lessons bi-weekly and um I try to take at least one dance class every week wow and do you do this for your your mental health and wellness is it because you feel the need to stay up on top of the craft is it community it's kind of all of that. I do think for me, because dance is like my first love, mm -hmm. it does feel almost like a meditation. Like when I go, I forget. And then I'm in the room and I'm breathing easier. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is what makes me feel alive and safe and happy and um, in my body and all of those things. Um, but it also is community mm -hmm. because a huge part of this business is community. And I don't mean that in the like icky networky type of way, but I do mean that like the things you want to do, the art you want to make, you're going to make it with your peers. You're not going to do it like in a vacuum by yourself. And it's not, you know, there are jobs that someone will hire you for who you feel is like successful and on a, another level than you. But a lot of times the things that are most fulfilling are the are the things that you make with people who are sort of in your same space of um, the things that you're making with your people are they going to be the most fulfilling? I think. Yeah. So community is super important, and um, also doing the thing. I <laughs> is what I call like you know we often I found myself sitting at home sort of being like I want to be playing these type of roles and like waiting for someone else to come let me play those roles and mm -hmm. no, just go do it somewhere. Like, um, what do you mean by that? Like, how does one just go do it? Well, for me, that means like being in class, right? Because I get to choose the scenes that I'm working on in class. Yeah. And, um, I might not be doing it in a, you know, 4,000 seat house, mm -hmm. but I'm doing, I'm doing what I love to do and what I say that I want to be doing. Um, and I also think there's some sort of like, um, energetic pull of like being in the thing you're doing it and so the opportunities and things are sort of attract I, I don't want to get like too woo woo-y no please get woo woo-y I love a woo-y moment magic in like doing the thing you want to yeah. be 
a dancer, go dance. You want to yeah. be an actor, go act, sing when you want to, you know, yeah. you don't have to wait for other people to give you permission to do it. And of course, at the same time, you're growing your skill. Yeah. Every, every hour you put in, you know? Yeah. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you someone who simply has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we'll meet virtually together. You share who you are as a human, what you love, your dislikes, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this. And then I go off on my own and find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I've been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo right now. I cannot wait to help you find monologues you absolutely adore. Do you feel like a lot of the work that you're getting now um, is a byproduct of the relationships that you've built, the work that you've done? Um, is it about you being more assertive with the types of work that you want to be doing and then like the universe is providing? Where is that? Um, I mean, yes, I think it's impossible to separate the fact that I've been in New York City doing this for so many years of course, um, casting directors are familiar with my work because we're just doing, we're in the same spaces. So it's impossible that they wouldn't, there wouldn't be some sort of benefits mm -hmm. from that. Like mm -hmm. I'm actively doing the thing, quotes. Yeah. Um, and I have connections because I've been doing the thing professionally. Um, and I am thinking about what I want and mm -hmm. saying out loud what I want. Um, that's sometimes the scariest thing, you know, but people can't read your mind, yeah. you know? And again, going back to like, what's on your resume, if it's telling a certain story, but you are wishing secretly for something else to happen, you don't say it, how is it going to happen? You know, mm -hmm. so there is um, advocating for yourself. And, and some of that is just, getting older, I'm more comfortable in myself than I was 10 years ago, you know? Um, yeah. How do you recommend people on their resume describe what they want, but being honest to what has been, right? Because in many ways, it's like a reflection of your quote unquote past because, you know, you've done what you've done. How does one reflect towards one's future on that? Yeah. Um, well, it does get tricky if there's like, if you don't have anything to put on there that's tricky because you definitely don't want to lie but if you have a few different things 
you you know, for a long time, I thought things had to go in chronological order. Like yeah. who made that rule up? That's not true. So you can put the things that are more in line with where you want to go at the beginning. If you have like film and TV stuff and theater stuff on your resume, for example, and you put the theater stuff first, even if you have all this film and TV stuff, they're going to see you as a theater person, right? Mm-hmm. And if you flip it, it's the same. It's true. They're going to think, oh, this is a TV and film person, even though they have theater credits. So just sort of like drawing the eye to the direction you want to go in. Yeah. Um, the other thing is you can put a link to your website or a link to your social media or whatever. And there you really have control of saying, no, this is who I am. Like, this is where I'm going. Like you yeah. can, you know, it doesn't have to just be about your past on your website and your social media. You are in total control. So yeah. Whatever you want there. I love that. On your socials, is it a, what, how do you find that it is most helpful for you or how do you like to use it? Social is it's so weird to me. I, um, I go through like waves of wanting to yeah. be engaged with it and waves of not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm in this weird place because um, I have I have quite a number of followers on Instagram that I did nothing for. I happened to be in Hamilton and happened to get like thousands of followers from that. Like I mean, was, I wouldn't just like, I wouldn't belittle the fact that you happen to be well, in it, but like, <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you know, people weren't there f- for me specifically. They were there because I was attached to this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have this following. What I mean by that is like, I didn't actively engage and, and work on how to build a following because I, there is, I'm sure techniques and ways to go about doing that and making that part of your overall sort of approach to the business, which I don't really, I kind of feel like I just got lucky in that way where these Mm. people ended up following me because of something and now they're here. Um, (laughs) But I will say I, I did put a lot of thought and energy into my website because of that idea of that. I want to be able to be in control of what I want people to see, which me I want to put forward facing. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, I don't have a ton of film and TV credits, but I can put um, a scenes up on my website and that is yeah. showing of the direction I'm going versus where I was, you know? Yeah. Are you wanting to do more TV and film as well? I would love to do film and TV. I also would love, love, love to do some straight plays. Yeah. I'm like really digging uh, acting right now. It's just fun and yeah feels like, you know, sometimes it's easy with things that we feel that we're successful in to sort of get kind of like hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, Oh, I'm not actually good at this thing or like, you know, but when you're in something that feels a little fresher, there's less of that. And it's more just like, Oh, this is so fun. I'm exploring, you know? So um, I'm kind of in that place with acting is like, I'm not being super, you know, hard on myself with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish that you had been taught, told, shared with when you were starting your career that you now are like, I wish I had known that it took me this long, or if only somebody had mentioned that to me, it would have saved me time, something along those lines. Um. Yeah, I think just being really honest with yourself 
about what specifically you want. Because sometimes being specific is scary because it feels like we're putting ourselves out on a limb. Um, but that's the only way to get anything is to, to A, know it in yourself and B, share it with someone who might be able to help you go that way. Um, so I think I, I personally spent a lot of time hiding my wants, mm. like keeping them a secret. So I would say share them. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is like the work, play, technique building, skill building never ends. So like the idea that you'll like get to Broadway and then you don't have to take class anymore. That's kind of like, you don't have to, but that you might not continue to grow. Yeah. So the idea that like, it's a forever game. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a very, very real thing for trying to do this for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. How are you cultivating that? Mm-hmm. And then my secondary like thought is what are you doing for yourself as a human that keeps you happy and grounded? Um, yeah, I definitely that that is a skill for me that I need to focus on because I'm easily drawn away. So for me, that means um saying no to things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you have that feeling of like, um, I don't really want to do it, but I'll say yes, because it's yeah. like a few months away and then it's there and you're like, I don't want to do it. So like saying no to things because time, you don't have an infinity amount of time. Yeah. Um, that's one I've I've been working on a lot. And the other thing is I journal every day. I started doing it um because I was doing the artist way. Do you know this book? I do, yeah, of course. So I've been doing the, you know, three pages a day for a long time and I love it. And I now like crave it. Like if I'm having a, a you know, a puzzle, a situation in my mind that I'm trying to figure out, I like notice in myself that I'm like, oh, let me go write my pages. Cause I know oh. that, like, that it sort of sifts things in my brain and like ideas come to me and solutions and I love it. Um, and then Lastly, meditation, which I've sort of fallen off recently, but there's been periods in my life where I do it consistently. And I also just feel like that, like my nervous system (laughs) feels better. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to remember that like first and foremost, we're here on this planet as people and like, Mm -hmm. you know, to come back to yourself so that you can then go to the work more full and whole in that way. It's just such a healthy, wonderful reminder, mm-hmm. you know, for trying to like bring humanity on a stage um, or screen or whatever, you know, it's like, who, who are you as a human first? Yeah. I mean, I'm biased clearly, but I feel like this is super helpful in breaking things down and, and giving a bit more of like an insight from, from behind. Um, again, nobody talks about this um, really, or at least from my experience and my friend's experiences, you're just, you're found in this position and you have to figure it out versus like, oh, no, no, it's cool. Here are some helpful things to think about when and if you find yourself in this space. So thank you for sharing. Well, I will say I love to hear from people. So if anyone wants, has any like follow-up questions or you know, just wants to say, Hey, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Socials. And yeah, I was going to say, well, where can people find you work with you? Um, what is the best way for people to reach out within your own boundaries? Yes. My, um, my Instagram is an easy one. It's just offer Heinz. Um, my website 
is offerhoneys.com and there's a link to send an email through Perfect. that site as well. Um, yeah. I'm so grateful for you for this. I'm a huge fan of you and your work um, from afar, but also like not even afar. Like I'm just, I think you are somebody who is so freaking humble and um, also just like beyond, beyond talented. And I think like there's a reason besides the talent or whatever that you keep working and it's because you're just a fucking good person. (laughs) So I'm, I'm really grateful that you've given us your time um, from your busy schedule and also just, you know, that you keep it real for people to see that, you know, it's, it is a job, but it's also a love and it's also a passion, but it's also something you can keep working on. I think all of these things are so evident from the way in which you work. So thank you. And, um, I can't wait to keep supporting you in all the shows that you're doing. So (laughs) thanks. I love talking about this stuff. So anytime. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully this episode was clarifying in terms of understanding the different types of contracts each of these types of labels would entail, but more specifically, when and if you find yourself in a position where you have the opportunity to understudy or swing or cover or stand by, you now feel more empowered to advocate for yourself in the ways that perhaps Afra has shared might be beneficial. If you liked this episode, please follow, rate, like, and most importantly, review us on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to continue making these episodes for you to continue expanding what it means to be an artist and a human. It means the most to us. So please, please, please leave us a review. If you did not like this episode, just let it all slide. If you have not done so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, more on our website at EmpoweredArtistCollective.com. And if you are seeking out some merchandise, we got you in the show notes. As always, I am so grateful that you keep on coming back and we will be back again next week. Until then. <laughs>